Good morning. Good morning for all you at home. It, it appears most of you stayed home, so welcome. <laughs> welcome. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is 2021, and I wanted to announce to all of you that when we came in this morning, everything worked. So that is a sign of new hope and a new year and things are getting better because that never happens does it jeff um so let's uh 
come together. Let's try to focus our attention. Let's try to put last week into last week. And let's not think about this week. And let's just try to think about the present. Right now, where we are, and focus on Him. Will you tell Him this morning why you came and why you're here and what you need? thankful today again for a new day, new mercies, new grace, a new presence, and a new hope. We open our hands, our hearts, our minds. We let go of last week. We let go of last year. We ask you to come and speak and fill and teach us and grow us, challenge us. And we all said, Amen. Will you stand?
promise to never leave us, to never forsake us, to never turn His back on us, to never leave us, to never forsake us. We thank You, God. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for Good news. Go ahead, Michael.
I'm going to bring this one back. A blast from the past. Uh-oh. Uno Menom. We're going to break for a commercial. I can't seem to find my music. You know what? My wife said I didn't need music, so here we go. <laughs> Ian, I hope you get the words right. It's a good one. These words are deep. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength. My song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are sealed, when my striving
No power of hell. No scheme of a man can ever pluck and take me from his hand. It's good news. You may be seated. I hope you're still with us at home. Pastor Matt is not with us today. I heard he's gallivanting in Florida. Lori Prophet is at home quarantining. So we miss you all and hope you're getting better. Well, I don't think Lori's sick. She's just quarantining, so... Does anyone ever pick a word of the year? Last year I picked a word of the year. First time ever. And my word was blessed. And I listened to this song my niece recorded over 250 times. Every morning I played this song called Blessed. This year... I chose the word presence. And it's twofold. One, I want to be more present when I'm sitting in front of my wife, when I'm talking to you, when I'm talking to my child. I want to be present. Do you know anyone that is present with their phone and with you at the same time? We all do. Because we are probably the ones. I'm a really bad multitasker. The second part of that word presence is I am longing for the presence of God. I can tell myself cognitively that he will never leave me, he will never forsake me, that he is with me. That I know to be true in my brain. 
I don't always know that in my heart. I don't always feel his presence. I don't always see him working. And what I, the hunch I have is that I need to look for him to know that he is near. I, I, be, I think I believe that if I'm not looking for him, I probably won't feel him and see him working. So that is my hope for me this year is to really sense his presence. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. This is Psalm 139. And you know everything about me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You know my thoughts. Hello? Even when I think I'm far away. You see me when I travel. You see me when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. You know when I'm going, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me and you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too great for me to understand. I can never ever escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, which would be cool, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there, your hand will guide me. And your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. I could ask you to leave me. I could ask you to get away from me. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. Even in the darkness, I could not hide from you. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted, seen. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. We all sing. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. 
be thankful that you are holy and that we are not. That you are gracious and merciful beyond measure and we are not. That you are a mystery how you work. And we think we understand it all. So Father, will you continue to expand our view of you and continue to make right our view of us as we sit and listen to your word now, as Pastor Scott comes to bring your word to us, may we be willing to listen. May we be willing to change. We thank you again to be together at home and here. And we all said, amen. You may be seated. could go ahead and dismiss our children for children's church it is that time and go ahead and head up the ramp see what fun miss mckenzie has for our kids today good morning as todd mentioned we are going without pastor matt we're going without lori we're going to get this done right you guys got me today so uh, i think we're going to beat everyone to lunch probably so but that's okay right um Today I want to talk about epiphany. For those that may not know the, about epiphany or know that much about the Christian calendar, it's a Christian holiday this week actually. Wednesday, January 6th, is epiphany and it marks the arrival of the wise men, the magi from the east who followed the star to the Christ child. Um, now I know Talking about the Magi today feels like I'm dragging Christmas out a little bit, and I'm like that annoying friend that sings Christmas songs like a month before Thanksgiving. I don't know if you know that person, but, um, but it's okay, because uh, scholars say the Magi visited the Christ child about one to two years after he was born, so we can go a week or two late, right? It's okay. So let's go ahead and read... We're going to get into Matthew's gospel here, Matthew 2, 1 through 2, and verse 11. Pastor Matt hit on the portion of this scripture that talked about King Herod, so we're going to skip that part and focus on the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, Epiphany is all about revelation, okay? Uh, you probably know the word epiphany is like an aha moment, right? And this, this holiday is all about revelation because it r marks when it was revealed to both Jews and Gentiles that Christ had come for all people. Because who were these guys from the East that were just showing up and getting mixed up with this Jewish Messiah? They weren't soaked in the Jewish prophecies or the Jewish traditions that led to all of the 
the foreknowledge of a coming Messiah, but they showed up nonetheless. And what was going on here was putting into motion what had always been the plan, the, the redemption story meant for all people. Because this goes back as far as Abraham, when the nation of Israel was meant to be a priestly kingdom and a holy nation, Abraham's family, the nation, was meant to be a blessing to all nations. And even back then, we know that God's love and his favor was not meant to just rest with these people in, in the Israel, Israelite people or stay in Jerusalem. And these magi were part of that revelation. They were a part of all of this because they were being blessed. They were being made aware that, hey, this Jesus dude is meant for even us. They were included in this redemption story. But even further than that, I hope the idea and the concept of epiphany and this revelation is something that we can all identify with and hopefully participate in. And we're going to look into what that means throughout this morning, but I hope that each one of us are, is able to share a story of revelation in your own life, a story of revelation of when Christ became real to us. And I'm a, I'm a video guy. I like to think of ideas in, in, the, in the format of video. How can this be written out in a screenplay? How can this be said or shown? And I like doing that a lot. And some of you guys have seen some of my videos in these Sunday morning services. And I think it would be cool to go around, not going to do it today, but go around to every one of you guys here and hear what Jesus means to you. And maybe the story of when that revelation became real to you, of who Jesus is to you. And this can be, this can happen in a bunch of different ways, this revelation that we experience. This revelation can be made known through knowledge. It, it can be made, made true through knowledge of a, a pastor's teaching or maybe a parent's teaching. Maybe you got the gospel through research, reading scriptures, maybe even searching your own heart. Maybe it was through an experience you had. Maybe it was something, a presence that was felt in your own life. Maybe it was a, an emotion that you can't even describe. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, had an experience at Aldersgate Street in London where he said that his heart was strangely warmed by the presence of God to find assurance in his own salvation. Or maybe you've had a perspective-widening experience of, that's much like walking up a mountain, that every day you get to see a little bit of a clearer view of God's grace in your life, and it's been more of a journey over time. This revelation can happen to us in a lot of different ways, but from my own experience, I would, I would say, in, when I'm giving testimonies, I, I say the phrase, when I made my faith my own, I feel like I made my faith my own in my college years, which can happen sometimes when you step away from 
a hometown bubble or, or maybe step away from your own parents' faith. Um, but when I think about it, that phrase, making my faith my own, might be giving me a little bit too much credit. Because when we look at Epiphany of the Magi, and we think of the concept of revelation, it is God who is the one who reveals to us. And I don't feel like I can take credit. Because for me, there's been so many times in my life where God has aligned things in just the right way for me to be able to see him at work, to see him in charge. I want to share one of these experiences with you. And this is back in my college days um, at Southern Nazarene University. Anyone else go? There we go, Matt. Come on. Southern Nazarene University is... is um, the Southern Regional University for the Nazarene Church in Bethany, Oklahoma. And I was um, actually going to share in chapel for all of our class. And this was two weeks after my brother had passed after a, a long fight with cancer. And I just felt God was leading me to share some of the things that he was putting into my life of, of wisdom and insight of me dealing with this pain, and I just felt like he was tugging at me to share those things in that time as I was dealing with pain and loss. And I hadn't had much public speaking experience at all up to that point, and for some reason, our chaplain consented to letting me do it and speak, and I got up those steps only by the power of God and shared from what he was teaching me in that truly tough and painful time. But what then happened after I was done speaking, a classmate came up to me and he said, I, I wasn't going to come to chapel today. I was too much in pain. I was too much in mourning because it had been one year to the day that my mother had died. And he basically said, the things that you shared connected in a deep way. And I think in that moment, I wasn't finding a reason why I'd lost my brother. And he wasn't finding a reason why he lost his mother. But we could see God at work. We could see God in charge. Because he was connecting us in our pain in a way that only he knew how to. Um... And this is, this I would see as a revelation in my life, a revealing of his work in my life, just like he was revealing truth to the Magi, and just like I feel like he is still revealing truth today. But now that, that revelation to these Magi, they, there was, it was required a response. It didn't just end there. They had to react to this revelation, and they made a journey to find the Christ child and worship him. And a lot of times in our own lives, a revelation doesn't end there. It is God nudging us to some type of action. It is God pushing us to some type of response. And so these, these magi from the east, they responded by traveling to worship the Christ child, and they didn't want to show up empty-handed. Um, and so they brought three gifts that you guys know. And traditionally, there's only three magi because there's only three gifts mentioned. And as pastor started and 
our Heart of Bethlehem series we've been going through. We've been talking a lot of different aspects of the Christmas story. And I want to look at these gifts of the Magi and maybe not learn as much about what, what these Magi were like, but an insight into what they had of who Christ was and what he had come to do. Because these gifts aren't just gifts, and these gifts aren't just valuable gifts, because they were very valuable and expensive. But I want to speak about each gift individually and talk about the meaning behind these gifts, because they were as meaningful as they were valuable. First, I want to talk about gold. And gold, as we know, is a valuable commodity, and it was thought to, back then was probably even more highly valued than it is today. And so giving gold to a baby is a little bit out of place unless, of course, the baby was a king, which is my first point, that Jesus Christ is a king to us and nothing less. And that may be like a pretty big dust statement in a Christian church to be saying that Jesus is king. But I think a lot of times we can be swept up into the talk of grace and love and think of him more of a friend than anything else and forget that he is the king first. That we are not in equal standing with him and when it comes to relationship with him, we enter that relationship through submission. To have a relationship with Christ, we have to surrender ourselves to him and his will. <clears throat> in the 1700s, there's a British admiral of the British Navy named Horatio Nelson, and he had a reputation for treating his defeated opponents with respect and courtesy, and that reputation went ahead of him, in a, and in a certain battle, he had defeated a, cap, um, a captain's ship, and the captain boarded his ship and approached him with his hand outstretched as if he was approaching an equal, and he said, your sword first, and then your hand. Because before we're friends with Christ, we are called to surrender to him. We are called to submit to Christ, knowing him as king. Knowing that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways, as it says in Isaiah 55. Because guys, the gospel messages of our society is self-empowerment, self-entitlement. And that there is no absolute truth, that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. But to enter his kingdom, we need to know humility. We need to know surrender and the message of taking up our cross daily. And to recognize the power of God, we have to surrender to it. To understand his will in our lives, we have to first submit to it. Now some of you might know about the Church of Nativity in Bethlehem. Um, and this is where some may think that Christ's child could have been born. As you can see, there's a really big wall and a tiny little door there. I don't know if you can see the people next to it. But it's a pretty small door for a big building. And everyone that enters the church has to enter through that same door. And everyone has to stoop down to go through it. Inside the church, there's a, there's a little cavern behind the high altar you can walk down into on those steps. And it's about... 14 yards long and 4 yards wide. Um, journalist Henry Morton talks about his visit to this church. 
Now the cave in the church of the nativity may be the same cave that Christ was born in, or it may not have been. There is something beautiful in the symbolism that the church has a door so low that all must enter to bow, must enter, will bow to enter it. And how fitting that every person that has come to see the baby Jesus would do so on their knees, bowing. Before we embrace Christ as Savior and friend, we have to bow to him, acknowledging him as king. So gold represents Christ as that he came as a king, but he came as a much different kind of king than the world was ever ready for. He came to rule a different kind of kingdom. Not born into a great hall, but a stable, and not to rule by force, but by love. And he didn't rule from a throne, he ruled from a cross. And he didn't come to restore Israel's rule over the Romans like many of the Israelites at that time had hoped for a Jewish Messiah to do. But he had come for something greater. He came for a kingdom that could fit the whole world inside of it. And this magi that came from the east represented the rest of the world. These wise men represented where this was all headed. And here we are 2,000 years later, and Christ has come for each one of us. When he comes for us, we experience that same type of revelation that the Magi did. And just like when Jesus came for more than a national agenda of the Israelites, he comes, when he comes for us, our revelation we experience is always something greater than we could have imagined or hoped for. When he comes, he shows us his heart. He shows us his vision. He shows us his kingdom he's building on earth. And along the lines of Christ being a different kind of king, we are brought to the second gift, the gift of myrrh we're going to talk about. Myrrh was a rare and expensive resin, the most unique of all gifts, because myrrh was a resin that was used in burial ceremonies, and at the time it was used to embalm bodies of the dead. If you think about that, for like a year to two year late baby shower gift, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Kind of out of place, but it seems that these magi had an insight into what Christ's mission was on earth. Because myrrh was a gift for one who would come to die. And Jesus came to die for all humanity. Now, if the Magi knew this was part of Jesus' mission, they were in the minority, for sure. Even though there had been prophecies foretelling Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, no one could see how this was all going to end up. Not even his closest disciples. And all along the way, he's saying these ominous statements like, I'm going where you cannot follow me in John 13. And in Luke's gospel, there's another story of epiphany and another story of revelation. In Luke chapter 24, there's a story of the road to Emmaus where two followers of Jesus were walking back to the town of Emmaus. They were going back to the town they had left to follow Jesus after his crucifixion. These followers are joined by another traveler, a stranger to them, and He asked them, what are you guys talking about? And they share with him that they had thought that Jesus was the one the prophets had promised. 
but he was sentenced to death and was killed on a Roman cross. But the disciples' despair had come from their hope that this was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They were still hoping for their agenda. Traveler heard them say this, and then he said, How foolish you are. Ouch. Jesus' death to this guy wasn't the end of hope. It was the beginning. He said, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things to enter his glory? And in a couple of hours, using only the Hebrew scriptures, this man gave these guys traveling epiphany and revelation, turned their despair into hope, and gave them a new vision for the future. Because in Jesus' day, people could study and learn and memorize the scriptures and still miss its entire central message. And in Jesus' day, people could learn from Jesus, follow him, leave everything behind to follow him, and still turn back home thinking that he had failed. Which is a lot like walking with someone for two hours and not realize who they are, because as we know from the story, that stranger was Jesus. I think about that passage a lot. And I think about in my own life, how much have I been that disciple walking home? Jesus reveals himself to the disciples in the stories, but like the disciples did, I wonder how long have I walked while not recognizing his presence in my life, not seeing him at work, and not seeing his kingdom because I'm too busy wanting things to fit into my kingdom. These disciples were still hoping for their own kind of king. They wanted their own kind of kingdom, and they wanted their own kind of ending to the story. But we do this too, don't we? Far too often... We miss revelation of who Jesus is in our own lives because we make him our own kind of king and fit him into our kingdom. Because the point here, the point of revelation is to see God's kingdom, right? To see what he is up to on this earth. To see him at work. And when he comes with revelation, that's exactly what happens. But for that, a lot of times we need a bridge builder to God. We need someone to stand in the gap between us and God, which leads us to our, my final, our final gift we're going to talk about, which is frankincense. Frankincense was made from a sap of a tree. It was an ingredient used in the oil that was burned for religious anointings. And, and at the time of Christ's birth, the frankincense tree was even considered sacred. Frankincense was burned during special offerings in temple worship for its sweet aroma. So it was basically a gift for a priest. And here are the Magi again with a very insightful gift into who Jesus had come to be and who Jesus is for us. Because it was a gift for a priest, and we all need Jesus as priest, because in essence, what a priest does bridges the gap between man and God. The Latin word for a priest is pontifex, which is just bridge builder, one who bridges between man and God. And we don't believe we necessarily need a human priest 
because of what Christ did for us, because he is the only bridge that we need to God. Early Christians called this bridge the way, but it was meant for all people, just like these foreigners from the east, those who were outside of the Jewish traditions. And this was called revelation, and this was called epiphany, because many in the circle of Jewish traditions couldn't see how this was going to go to the ends of the earth. They just couldn't see it. In Romans 1.16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Paul's writing this decades after Magi show up, and you can see they're starting to see from that verse that this was meant globally. But here are the Magi, decades before, with the realization that Christ has come for all people. And as they responded to this revelation to worship him, we realized we have to participate. Christ gave us a commission of work to participate in this called the Great Commission. In that he shares his, that his good news should be shared first to Jerusalem, then to Judah and Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. But sometimes I just want to keep Christ to myself. I just want to keep Jesus in my Jerusalem, as it were. Keep Christ in my own heart, in my own bubble. Forget about Samaria. Forget about those that don't think the way that I think. Forget about the end of the earth. Okay, that's way too intimidating. But truthfully, to turn away from that is to turn away from the truth that was revealed even to me. Because we are responsible for the truth we receive in this life. We are held accountable for the revelations of truth that we receive. And the epiphany of who Jesus is was made real to me and to many of you as well. And the truth can't stay here. It's too compelling of a message to stay in our hearts, to stay in Jerusalem. And just like how Jesus built a bridge for all people to God, we are called to play a part in that bridge building. Because God's, didn't, God's love didn't stay in Jerusalem when it reached each one of us. And that love can come in a lot of different ways. It could have come from a friend's words in the right time. It could have come in the form of money when you needed it. It could have come as love in a time of your life when you're experiencing all but darkness. God's love didn't stay on the cross. It came down for each one of us. And he's leading us to do the same. To love the unlovable. To allow the Spirit to move us to open doors in others' lives. It's our calling from our high priest and king. So I hope we can take something from this somewhat overlooked Christian holiday this week. A story of four magi that traveled to see Christ child. A story of revelation that shows that God's love is meant for all people. And that through these gifts we can learn that gold was meant for a new kind of king. Gold that was meant for a new kind of king. 
But there was myrrh for one who had come to die for all humanity. And they brought frankincense for a high priest who came to bridge the gap between us and God. Hallelujah. So as a gift to this king, do we keep this revelation to ourselves? Do we have it stay in our hearts or stay in Jerusalem? Or do we give it as a gift to others through our words, through sharing it, through our actions and through our love? Do we keep it or do we give it as a gift? We all know, those that know Christ, we know that we've received this revelation and that we've had this similar epiphany in our own lives, but that it shouldn't stay there. Let's pray. Join me in prayer as we close. Lord, we're thankful for this truth, that we are thankful that your love didn't stay with Israel, the nation, or it stay in the city of Jerusalem, but there were those that shared and traveled and conveyed this revelation of you as king on the throne to others, and shared it with others, you shared it with others. And we receive that truth today. Lord, let us be people of love. Of love that can share this message and share this truth with others. Because it didn't end in Jerusalem and it shouldn't end with us. Let us be people of light and love of sharing your truth to others this week. And let us make 2021 a year of conveying your truth and love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. You guys are dismissed. Down from heaven's gate.